Hi, my name is Hannah Minty. I'm a partner in the family team here at Russell Cook. And my name is Gareth Ledstrom, and I'm a partner in the Trust and Estate Disputes team at Russell Cook. As part of our Let's Talk podcast series, we wanted to follow up uh, very briefly on our last podcast, which touched on a crossover issue between family and private client worlds. Gareth, can you remind us what the issue was? Yes, this is an issue which involves the overlap of succession law and the law relating to parental responsibility and specifically involving successions in civil law jurisdictions. The issue that we need to grapple with is that uh, minors, so children under the age of 18, can inherit property directly in civil law jurisdictions, which is not possible under English law. Any property that passes to them here is uh, held for them, usually by parent, on trust until they turn 18. Now, in civil law jurisdictions, a child cannot deal with the property themselves either. That's done by a parent in representative capacity, often with authority from the local family court. Um, it's usually a fairly straightforward process. However, where the child is not habitually resident in the jurisdiction, uh, the civil law jurisdiction, that is, the court will generally decline jurisdiction in favour of the court in the jurisdiction where the child is habitually resident. If I remember rightly from our last podcast, the English courts have been around the houses a bit about how best to deal with this matter. They certainly have, um, particularly where there is a sale of property involved. There's been some debate about whether this should be treated as a succession issue and dealt with in the Chancellor Division, or whether it is a parental responsibility issue which should be dealt with in the Family Division. It's been accepted for a number of years that Section 3 of the Children Act 1989 allowed a person with parental responsibility to recover property on a child's behalf, and it was thought that this would extend to accepting succession. It was thought, though, that this would not extend to a sale. Notwithstanding the approach in civil law countries of involving the family court, um, this didn't quite sit well with private client lawyers, who for a number of years made applications to the Chancellor Division for authority for a person, usually a parent, to accept succession and to sell property on a child's behalf where they'd inherited abroad. Uh, we've come up with various slightly convoluted arguments to fit a square civil law peg into a round common law hole. <laughs> arguments such as salvage, which is to do with wasting assets, or the court's maintenance jurisdiction. But this changed last year, is that right? It did. Well, just uh, about 18 months ago now, the case of REAC uh, in December 1919, 2021, uh, and the case of uh, Rishi last summer uh, confirmed that the previous approach, which had been adopted, was not actually necessarily the best one, and the application should ordinarily henceforth be made in the family court. Um, but the case of REAC only extended to accepting succession. Um, there had been obiter remarks from the judge in that case, Mr Justice Peel, about a sale, but he had not considered the matter in great detail. Uh, the matter of Rishanavazi in the Chancery Division approved uh, the comments of uh, Mr Justice Peel, but again, um, that was not a, a family court decision. However, earlier this year, I was instructed on a matter where authority to sell was required, and so we tested out the new approach in the case of REB. And for those that are interested, the citation to the case is in the written description, which you'll find with this podcast. The facts were briefly that a father had died a number of years ago, leaving two children. The father owned a property in his sole name in France, which passed the children in equal shares on the, uh, French rule, sorry, under the French rules of intestacy. For a number of years, no steps were taken and the property was retained. However, it became expensive to run and it was considered that the children would benefit if they had the cash instead. At the time of the sale, one of the children was still a minor, and so we had to make an application to accept succession on the minor's behalf, but also to enter into a contract for sale. 
And what did the judge say? Well, happily, the judge was happy to make the order we requested, and he confirmed his earlier obiter view uh, in the case of REAC. Um, before he did so, we had explored uh, and made submissions on the issue of a sale under the Children Act. He accepted that Section 3 needs to be interpreted in a way which adapts to different situations, uh, such as foreign property ownership, and also that if a child could not actually make use of the property, it had not really been truly recovered within the meaning of Section 3 of the Act. We also submitted that the sale was in effect an administrative act, similar to that of a trustee of property, and what we were seeking is the conversion of an asset to something that can be more easily deployed for the child's benefit. Also, as we were applying under the Children Act, we addressed um, the welfare checklist as to why the application was uh, in the child's best interests. This is rather unusual in this type of case because the application concerns the administration of a child's property as opposed to a question of determining upbringing. But welfare does remain the paramount consideration. How did you apply the welfare checklist in a property-related matter? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, the welfare of the child is the paramount consideration by the court, and it was in this case. However, the judge was very pragmatic, and um, a bit like Section 3, he applied a purposive approach to the question of welfare and the welfare um, checklist. So I think the considerations that he took into account went wider than perhaps the usual matters under the checklist, um, such as wishes and feelings, although those were quite important in this case. Other issues that were considered were value of the property, proposed sale price, length of time the property has been on the market, the cost of maintaining the property, any taxes that have to be paid, what rentling had been sorry, received, and the general state of repair of the property. And I know that there's nothing actually in Section 3 of the Children Act that requires a person with parental responsibility to ask the court's permission. Is it really needed? Well, that's an interesting question. I think the short answer is that no, the Act does not require it, um, at least in terms. However, the judge did make it clear that the court should be involved. The court's reasoning for that is that a decision to dispose of what is likely to be the child's most valuable asset is on any view a momentous one. Um, this is also true of a decision to accept a succession in a civil law jurisdiction, which might expose a child to liabilities. So it's therefore appropriate for the court to bless the application. Um, and in a way, this is actually uh, has the benefit of protecting the applicant. I did actually try in this case, in order to reduce costs, to have the application dealt with on the papers, um, but the judge was not willing to do so. And he said that even in straightforward cases, a short hearing would be required. And I think this is due in part to the often one-sided nature of the application, the potential for a conflict of interest between the interests of the applicant and the child, uh, and the child on the sale. You know, the parents, for example, would want the sale to go ahead, um, and that might sway the, the application rather than purely the, the welfare of the child. And when we discussed this last time, we both agreed that the family procedure didn't lend itself particularly well to these types of applications. Given that you've helpfully now gone out and tested this for us, do you have any hints and tips from your experience in this recent application on how to deal with this? I certainly do. And I'm pleased to report that the judge was incredibly helpful in the case. Uh, and if you read the judgment, uh, you will see a number of um, sort of 
top tips were set out. Um, I think the key ones that uh, stand out for me are that he confirmed that witness evidence would be needed to support the application. Uh, we had put in quite a detailed witness statement, even though the Form C-100 that one completes to make a, a specific issue application in the family court suggests that you shouldn't send it until the court asks for it. That's not the case for these applications. Make sure that the evidence is included. Um, there was also some discussion about whether a MIAM um, was needed. Obviously, it's not appropriate in a, dis uh, in a case like this where there's no dispute. Um, and the judge confirmed in the judgment, no MIAM is needed. And there's no need to tick the right box either in the uh, C-100 form. What you need to do is simply explain to the court in your covering letter that a MIAM exemption is claimed. Um, other tips to, to bear in mind are that if there is another person who has parental responsibility for the child, they should be named as a respondent. But other than that, no respondent is needed. The child doesn't need to be a respondent either. And while not naming them as a, as a respondent, it's probably a good idea to let anybody else with an interest in the property know about the um, about the application, even if informally, so that if they do have an issue, then that can be flushed out uh, right away rather than finding out that there's an issue after the court has made its order. Okay, well, that's very helpful in terms of practical tips. Um, sounds like you've uh, got a lot of information there um, in your judgment um, to guide us through the problems we identified last time. So for these types of applications, is it the family court all the way now? Not necessarily. Um, I still think that there will be cases where complex trust arrangements, for example, are envisaged um, and people should not be afraid to approach the Chancellor Division for the appropriate case. Although uh, the case for most applications, I think, will be that applications should be made to the family court. And what do you think the next issue is going to be for the court to grapple with when it concerns applications of this type? Well, we have seen the court deal with uh, accepting succession in a civil law jurisdiction, and we've also seen it deal with sale. What we haven't seen as yet is dealing with an application to renounce succession on behalf of a minor child. Um, that might be appropriate, for example, in a case where a foreign estate is insolvent, um, although that, I think, is very much for another day. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Gareth, for testing this application for us, for obtaining this very helpful guidance in the case of Rebe, and for talking us through the issues today. Um, it's been really good to chat this through with you again. It's been great to do so. Nice to speak to you again. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye for now.